obviously, if there's not enough stock, if there's not enough supply of stuff, if the supply chain is broken like it has been very much through the pandemic years, then it's going to cost more to pay for something. Welcome to the Urban Property Investor. I'm your host, Sam Saggers, here to help you crack the code of real estate wealth. Today's show, we're going to dig into bullwhip economics. Yes, the bullwhip is out. We're going to dig into what Australia faces, particularly in today's show, we're going to study supply. It's a real problem in Australian real estate, a diminishing amount of stock being produced. And of course, eventually that flows on into a problem. And of course, that problem for many of Australians is paying more for property. Obviously, for property investors, that problem can be an opportunity because if people have to pay more for real estate, eventually prices go up, equity is created, wealth is created. And of course, for property investors that own assets, they become wealthier. But Australia is facing a decade-long housing supply crunch. It's a real problem. It's actually the biggest problem, I think, in Australian real estate at the moment. And of course, for property investors, this means really is propping up the investment marketplace, the fact that there just isn't enough stock to go around. And by virtue of that, we are seeing rents escalate exponentially. And really, the effect of not enough stock being produced is going to be felt in the years to come in a serious manner. It's going to create a lot of inequity in Australia, but also for property investors, potentially future capital growth as we run out of stock. Welcome aboard to today's show. If it's your first time tuning in, play the show in double speed. That's how it works. Uh, Of course, all the episodes I've done are actually lessons on real estate. So today we're going to discuss a concept in economics known as the bullwhip effect. Now, I want you to imagine a bullwhip. It's a, you know, stockman's whip, if you like. It, when cracked, is like a, a bit of a snake. And really, at some point, the end of or the tail of the bullwhip reaches a point where it creates a reaction somewhere. And obviously, when a stockman cracks a bullwhip, the reaction eventually is that cracking sound. The bullwhip effect affects everything. Now, I'm going to give you an example in my street. I have a street of gospodars that love leaf blowing. The reaction to leaf blowing goes up going off in my street obviously sends me crazy. I am at the tail of leaf blowers happening in the street. In fact, I saw something disturbing uh, literally the other day, a young gospodar being created. The bullwhip effect of this young gospodar being created will eventualize probably 20 years from now when that young man becomes a sociopath when it comes to looking after his house. Let me explain. He is a nine-year-old. 
he was given a leaf blower. He now leaf blows in the street. He is the youngest gospodar in Australia. What is this going to do? He is obviously going to grow up as a very house-proud gospodar. He will be leaf-blowing for the rest of his life. The bullwhip effect of this young nine-year-old with a leaf-blower will mean he probably obsesses over his house and becomes a hearth and homer. The leaf-blower is a real problem in society. And if anyone actually knows of a noiseless leaf blower, please reach out to me because I am prepared to not only buy the nine-year-old a noiseless leaf blower, but every gospodar, every neighbor I have will be gifted that noiseless leaf blower. But if we think about the bullwhip effect, it pertains to just about everything. There is a ripple to everything. And of course, if we want to study where we are in the current bullwhip effect, we have gone through in 2022 and here in 2023, much higher inflation. Things cost more. Inflation is actually the tail of something that happened well before it. And to understand how the bullwhip works, I think really what we're living through right now is a classic example. So how do we end up with higher inflation? Well, if we go back to 2019-20, the COVID-19 pandemic began. And of course, what eventually happened was huge amounts of stimulus was created, lots of spending, interest rates dropped to a record low, we had lockdowns, we had supply chain issues, all which created a bullwhip effect to creating a new cost of money, a new money cycle, higher inflation. And of course, what that looks like today is interest rates where they are. So, One action leads to another action, and we call that the bullwhip effect. So obviously, if there's not enough stock, if there's not enough supply of stuff, if the supply chain is broken like it has been very much through the pandemic years, then it's going to cost more to pay for something. And higher inflation is very much off the back of what was inputted back during 2020 and 2021. So to understand the bullwhip effect around economics, it's basically input at one end and output at another. I think we all saw, for example, the crazy toilet paper uh, problems that were occurring when uh, the pandemic was on. We had an input of too many people wanting toilet paper, not enough toilet paper being manufactured. And of course, that bullwhip cracked on suppliers to produce more toilet paper. So the biggest economic challenge for Australian real estate is to produce more real estate. It's a real problem. Uh, And of course, what the lack of production does to Australian real estate is eventually see prices go up. 
Now, are we seeing prices go up today? No, we are not. But this is the point of understanding the bullwhip effect. Because if not enough things are going into the system, then down the track, not enough things are going to come out of the system. Now, back to the toilet paper example. Too many people were buying toilet paper. So the suppliers had to produce more toilet paper to obviously reach the retailers to provide the orders for the customers. What's kind of happening when it comes to the supply of real estate is basically not enough real estate is being produced now to even keep up with current levels of demand. And obviously, eventually, that continues to fall away. There is an upstream effect and that upstream effect will result in eventual price escalation because of a shortage. No different to a supply chain shortage. Probably the best way to explain Australia's supply problem is rather like the supply chain shortage which is which we lived through during the pandemic. So the next bullwhip effect, if you like, is underway. And we just need to realize we're actually part of it right now. We are not at the tail of the bullwhip, but we are certainly flowing through the whip. And of course, when we understand what that looks like, it really does pertain to low supply. Now, it's fair to say we've been through 2020 and 2021, which was a FOMO market. People were fearful of missing out and buying real estate. So a lot of real estate was absorbed during that point. We've been through fear of being involved or FOBO. People worried about the cost of money. I think most people realize now we are not going back to the way it was per the cost of money during the pandemic. It's unrealistic. We're kind of now at the period where people are over the peak level of fear. Interest rates go up. People don't really even talk about it anymore. It's not even a like a major, major headline anymore. And if anything, we are now past the major point of fear. So what this is going to do, of course, is mean that given there's easy credit, there's migration, there's pro real estate policy, and of course, high rents, a lot of people are going to come back to the real estate marketplace. But the bullwhip effect, which is probably most interesting to study, is just the lack of supply. Obviously, for a decade now, we have not been overproducing real estate. Typically, we produce around 100,000 plus dwellings per annum, and it's been that way for the best part of 15 years. However, our population keeps increasing. We tend to live longer. There's less people living in the same amount of space. We've got all sorts of elements which will eventually flow on to the repricing of real estate based on the lack of real estate. Real estate gets repriced 
based on supply and demand. Now, it's fair to say at the moment, demand levels are low, but that still won't uh, have a reflection on what is being produced down the track. Remember, if you focus on where we are today, you're not focusing on the bullwhip. What we're trying to do is understand what tomorrow actually looks like. So I want to talk to you about eight dynamics that I see which really are affecting the bullwhip of production. It was really nine actually elements. And the first one is a nice, quick and easy one, which is the cost to deliver real estate today. New construction, for the most part, does not stack up. You look at where properties are being produced in the new production space of the market, and for them to get off the ground, many, many properties are just too expensive compared to what the normalized market is prepared to pay for real estate in that suburb or town. So you can pretty much write off that a lot of real estate is just not feasible at the moment. It may be produced and you need to be very wary of overpriced brand new real estate in the marketplace. Uh, I tend to like newer properties in the marketplace mainly because of the tax effectiveness of them, but I'm pretty good at finding newer real estate priced alongside secondhand real estate and the variation between the two not being too far apart. But what is very, very noticeable in Australian real estate today is a lot of brand new real estate in a lot of places is just way too expensive for that marketplace. Most people won't end up buying that real estate. It's not yet, uh, it's not yet produced, if you like. It's being sold pre-production. Most people won't end up buying that real estate. I know real estate I look at at the moment, just turn my nose up and it's like, that's ridiculous. I'm, no one should pay those prices for that. Doesn't economically make sense. So I think the first thing we need to understand is the actual rate of supply is diminishing because the supply chain in effect is broken because of the cost to deliver uh, properties to the marketplace. Now, Australia's, I guess, job jobs market is very much underpinned by construction. But for the most part, there are other construction jobs out in society at the moment. So Australia's uh, workforce, which really does love supporting the trades inside of Australia, the economy like supporting trades inside of Australia, have other options. There's a lot of government projects, major infrastructure, rail, uh, airports being built, the Olympic Games. So for builders, there's a lot of work outside of just relying on new residential properties to being produced. So because that is a competing narrative to builders. Today, a lot of builders don't need to take on the jobs of residential. 
They can go and do some other things with their building companies. And of course, this again is creating supply chain issues to the supply of real estate in the marketplace. So let's go through some of the things we need to be wary of when it comes to what's coming so we can make some informed decisions and some sensible decisions about our economic future. The reason I give these briefings, if you like, is so that people can understand what next in real estate. And of course, uh, I think real estate's the best asset going around. And really, for you, you have to weigh up whether you think buying today is actually going to lead to a more prosperous tomorrow. And I think one of the best ways to understand what is the future of tomorrow is understanding bullwhip economics. You put something in now, it creates a result later. What we are putting in now is not enough stock. That will create a result later. So other than focusing on the inflation rate and really the inability to build enough stock at a fair market value, then really we have to go to the next metric, which is policy itself. Australia has a business plan. Australia has a business plan by mid-century to populate the country with around anywhere from 36 to 40 million people. Today, we are closer to 26 million. So you can imagine that's a lot of people to come. That's a new Sydney, Melbourne and Brisbane really over the next 30 years. And despite obviously the year of 2020 and 2021 and parts of 2022 whereby our migration was not working because we chose to close our borders, the rebound in migration right now is exponential. We are seeing literally uh, tens of thousands of people come into the country to take up, um, obviously, uh, jobs, to take on, uh, you know, opportunities inside of the university system. Obviously, you know, this is the month of universities starting up again, and we are, you know, off the back of that, going to be full to the brim when it comes to how many people typically occupy Australia at one time. Obviously, you've got Australian citizens, but then you've got foreign people who also uh, currently use Australia when it comes to a housing solution because they may be studying here. But really, uh, if you like, you know, when it comes to being an opposing metric, If you want more people to come to the country, which Australia does love, then it's going to be very difficult to provide affordable properties to that that marketplace. It just doesn't make sense. Where you do see property values tumble uh, apart is quite often countries which have a diminishing, basically uh, diminishing population because everyone wants to leave i think we've all seen those properties you know in italy and southern parts of italy and uh, many parts of eastern europe which are sold for a dollar there's no one in the town no one exists 
So the real estate is worthless. Where there's no people, real estate becomes worthless. But what is noticeable, and I encourage you to Google uh, just how many visas are being uh, given at the moment, and of course how many people are returning to the country. It is mind-blowing. And when you think about what that looks like, the most recent prediction I have through McCrindle Research which are demographers that study uh, population growth, is 20 million, 29 million people by 2030. So that's pretty crazy. That's, uh, you know, that's another 3 million people in the next eight years. And of course, that's basically a city the size of Brisbane, all due in between now and 2029. Obviously... That is a critical piece of information because the migration forecast and obviously this production of stock is not lining up. There's just going to be not enough real estate for 29 million people. Um, The population rate is increasing beyond the ability to produce a property um, and as such, you're going to run into a problem. I mean, as it stands, we need to produce a new property every four minutes. I don't see us producing a new property every four minutes. It just does not mathematically add up. Eventually, the bullwhip effect unfolds on that supply versus migration uh, situation. Obviously, we're already seeing issues with supply through the rental crisis. Rents have skyrocketed and they're potentially going to get worse. And pretty much, I mean, my forecast is eventually there will be some sort of policy which slows down rental growth because it's unsustainable based on the amount of stock being produced. Um, We've seen some interesting spin-off effects of what people are prepared to pay for property. Certainly, I've been saying this a lot. There's actually two classes of tenants. There's people half a week away from being broke where putting the rents up on them is virtually impossible. If you're putting it up, it's 10 or 20 bucks. It's a pizza a week. Uh, and then you've got other uh, tenants who do it for lifestyle reasons. And I've seen rents go up $500 a week. Be, uh, um, you know, huge, like life-changing amounts of money for the investor. So stock is plummeting um, and probably the argument is, well, if we look at the current situation and we go, well, uh, you know, obviously interest rates are more expensive than what they were. Uh, shouldn't people be panicking and everyone putting their property on the market? And of course, this will open up Uh, the narrative around supply at least moving. Well, actually, the opposite is happening. A lot of people made money during the pandemic and as such really um, have no reason to sell up and trade up and go somewhere else. A lot of people made money as investors and now have what we refer to as capital gains tax lock. Capital gains tax lock is basically when you own your asset, goes up in value, by selling it, you're going to diminish your return. 
and so you hold on to it. This is a very important lesson, by the way. You want to get capital gains lock on A-grade assets because they're the ones you want to hold. Some people get capital gains lock on B-grade assets and D and C-grade assets. And of course, they don't actually want to hold the property, but then they've got this problem, capital gain. So obviously, uh, where we see listings right now around the combined capital cities is actually very, very low. Like there's not a lot of stock on the market. People aren't panicking going, hey, I want to go and uh, sell my property because there's nowhere to go. You can't rent a property. You can't potentially even service the loan that you just got to go and buy something even a little bit cheaper. So people are hunkering down. And really when we analyze economically what that looks like is real estate carries pricing power. It's a very important lesson. What I mean by that is a household budget is broken up into various different quadrants, food, energy, housing, uh, you know, entertainment, um, and so forth. What you generally see is people uh, put property first in their household budget up there with food and energy. It carries pricing power. What will no doubt unfold is people's appetite to buy a new pair of Nikes. Probably they're just going to wear the same pair they've already got. So eventually retail spending will uh, slow down and of course uh, irrelevant to the conversation around supply. If people hold on to their real estate because they don't want to upgrade or migrate their money or actually can't service a property better than what they have, they will hold on to what they have. And we're already seeing this in the numbers today. Like a lot of people, for example, will be like, well, shit, man, interest rates are up. Isn't everyone dumping their real estate? The polar opposite is actually happening. And of course, this means just less stock being traded. When there's less stock being traded overall, generally people have to eventually pay more for real estate, the bullwhip effect. Now, Albo's come out and sort of said he wants 1 million homes, you know, over the next uh, decade or so. Uh, mate, that's pretty much basically what is normally produced. So there's no real actual, uh, you know, actual oversupply coming from government. It's just basically a marketing ploy. That sounds pretty good on budget night. So we know that the production of stock is just not keeping up with where things are going. Eventually, the bullwhip works, the bullwhip effect. So the next part of the puzzle, if you like, is because people can't trade and move as much, uh, people are owning real estate longer. Household uh, ownership is actually at an all-time high. People are holding on to real estate longer than ever. And right now, people are holding on to real estate over 2.6 years longer than they were 10 years ago. So people today, because of how finance works, can't easily just buy something, 
and then go and buy something else. Because you can imagine for a household, they buy a house, then they have a child, maybe a second child, and then all of a sudden their servicing changes and they're kind of locked into what they bought. So people aren't moving around as readily as they once did. And we're starting to see um, certainly hold times escalate. Like some suburbs are now up to, on average, 20 2.3 year average hold times. I mean, that's just amazing. Like if you studied, for example, a suburb, Helston Park in New South Wales, it's kind of a inner city suburb of, uh, of, of Sydney, kind of near Marrickville, Dulwich Hill, Campsie, that kind of area. Helston Park, 10 years ago, the average hold time of this very middle-class suburb 11.1 years. Today, the average hold time in that suburb, 22.3 years. That's an 11.2 year difference in holding assets, less stock to market, less production of stock. When people can't get the stock because no one wants to sell it, then you have to produce more stock to supply a growing population. And of course, this is not happening as fast as certainly policymakers would like. Obviously, as part of the bullwhip effect, we are also living long longer. People are staying in their homes longer. People are living longer. Now, if you went back to the census of 1932, males were living to 63 years of age and females 67. My grandparents passed away roughly at that age. People didn't live as long as they do today. On average, females and males are living into their mid-80s, even pushing into their 90s. Now, if you actually do the maths on that, at some 20% today more uh life expectancy than uh, back in 1932. It's huge. That means people hold on to their real estate longer. That means there's uh, less supply of real estate going to market through death, which I know is a you know not a fantastic subject, but it's so true. Like the deceased estates, uh, there's less of them. And as such... You're just seeing the Australian longevity rate actually influence the supply of real estate. The next bullwhip effect, if you like, which is the sixth one, we're doing nine today, is less people are sharing a dwelling. Now, according to demographer, demographers through McCrindle, who uh, studied the last census, Today, people that occupy a house uh, or a property or a dwelling, if you like, is 2.5. The previous census in 2016 was 2.6. Less people in space. That's like an amazing statistic. Like we are not putting as many people in the one property as we did back in 2016. 
In other words, more people need to find more space. Now, obviously, when you see 2.6 to 2.5, that may not sound like much, but actually that's a huge number of people looking for their own space out in society. Spatial loss is a real thing. And of course, if more people won't share a property together, then more properties are needed. Obviously, off the back of the pandemic, house space has been transformed. People today quite often need a Zoom room. So instead of renting a one-bedroom apartment, people want a two-bedroom apartment because they're using that extra room for Zoom. Um, That means instead of that bedroom being used to uh, house someone, that bedroom is no longer in use. It's got a different use today. Spatial place loss. Less people are sharing dwellings. So interesting. We're going to see the bullwhip of this. The crack of the whip is coming. When that crack comes, it's going to link to price growth. Eventually, it will flow through. What's so interesting around the bullwhip effect around Australian supply, if you actually study dwelling demolition approvals, uh, there's actually more properties demolished than actually reproduced on that land, if you like. Every year, we are demolishing around 50-odd thousand uh Sorry, we're demolishing over 60,000 properties, but we're not reproducing on that dwelling, if you like, 60,000 properties. We produce much, much less. So we don't even replace what we demolish when it comes to the production of real estate. This is demolition approvals, not just new approvals of properties that are being produced out in the marketplace. We don't replace what we knock down. And as you can imagine, around Australia, there's a lot of old real estate now, which is past its use-by date, which is getting knocked down. It's not even keeping up with what um, is, is replacing it. And of course, that is creating a bullwhip effect of not enough stock being produced. Obviously, when it comes to the bullwhip effect, we are also seeing stock being split down the middle. Now, I've done a lot of podcasts on this in recent times, so I'm not going to harp on about it or you'll probably think it's all I talk about. But Australia's real estate is being split in two, build to sell and build to rent. Build to rent is a new phenomenon inside Australian real estate. It's really being produced now by corporations whereby they control the narrative of controlling a uh, complete asset and just renting it uh, for a long period of time, lease security or lease tenure, if you like, for the less advantaged in society is a real problem. And so build to rent exists to uh, improve that problem inside of society. But what is fundamentally happening, if you like, is once upon a time, uh, two pro- two properties were produced. Two properties would go to the residential sales market. 
of those two properties. One would be bought by an investor. Maybe one would be bought by a owner-occupier. Today, very different. Two properties are produced. One goes to build to rent. It's a rent-for-life property. You'll never see it on the residential property market. It's one property left. Now, everyone fights over that property, the investor, the uh, owner-occupier. So, less stock is being produced for the selling market or the sales market or the residential market. There's just less less production because of the way the world is morphing. And really, if you study uh, megatrends, the megatrend is inequality. How do you overcome inequality? We get corporations to build properties where people just rent in them. Uh, here in Australia, you know, it's 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 a uh, it's a bit of a taboo subject, but it's kind of like glorified housing commission just being produced for that uh, part of the marketplace. So it serves a purpose, uh, but it does mean less production of real estate overall, and supply in itself is changing and uh, not being produced for for really the sales market. So if you have less properties being produced for the set for the sales market obviously that has a ripple effect that people can't buy an enough product eventually the bullwhip effect of that issue with supply unfolds and of course that will eventually lead to a price escalation the final bullwhip effect around supply is around the conversation when it comes to absorption of real estate and how much development is actually produced. Market absorption is the point where real estate is produced and supplied to the market and bought uh, by the market. And really, you need to understand that it is... Supply is obviously produced not by government, but by private enterprise. They are, it is produced by developers. It is produced by property investors. And if it is not in their economic interest to produce supply, then developers won't produce supply. Let me ask you a question. If you were going to... Uh, develop a property and you were going to lose $200,000, would you do it? Well, the short answer is no, you wouldn't do it. Why would you? Why would you lose money to produce real estate? And as such, one of the biggest problems with the production rate of Australian real estate is the economic interests of people that have to produce the real estate. And of course, uh, this is a big conversation because really for a lot of developers, when they look at the algorithms out in the marketplace, they won't produce the real estate if they can't get the real estate off the ground, if they can't sell the real estate, or if mathematically or uh, feasibility-wise, the real estate makes no sense. So... When we look behind the supply chain curtain, 
Uh, here in Australia, there is enough real estate to provide enough supply in Australian real estate to lower the cost of Australian real estate. If it was put on the market all at once. But that is never going to happen because that's like saying to a publicly listed company, okay, well, you've got 50,000 blocks of lands in your supply uh, chest or in your holding pen, you've got 50,000 properties you we know that you can produce. Obviously, those properties don't have a title. Uh, rezoning needs to happen for many of the properties. They need to go through a process of being produced to marketplace. But let's just say, for easy example, that the government said, you know what, those 50,000 properties that you have in your holding pen, we approve them all. Do you really think that company is going to put those 50,000 properties on the market on the one day? Never going to happen. Why? Because it would lead to a loss for the developer. It doesn't work. So the supply chain also has this hidden curtain where it is really a build-to-order model. In other words, if someone wants to buy a newer property, then one will be completed for them or created for them. But not three for one buyer. Three properties are not created for one buyer. Hence why we see that it really does become here in Australia when it comes to the production rate of real estate, a build-to-order model. You don't oversupply your own marketplace. It's the general rule of development. So knowing this, uh, it's an interesting science because obviously if you don't understand what's behind the supply curtain in Australia, you may think, well, there's always more supply produced and, you know, like isn't property values going to come down uh, because, you know, Mervac owns a shit ton of real estate. doesn't work like that. It does not work like that. It has never worked like that and it will never will work like that because if you're running a company, your fiduciary responsibility as a director is to make a profit and so uh, you need to understand that the behind the supply curtain the rate of development is very much geared to where the market's at if the market needs more stock developers will produce more stock if the market needs less stock developers will produce less stock it's just the way it works and of course uh all this leads to the conversation when it comes to the bullwhip effect. We've got, obviously, the cost to deliver things. We've got migration. We've got no sell-off. We've got people holding real estate longer. We've got people living longer. We've got people sharing less space. We're not replacing what we demolish. We're not seeing a uh, system whereby developers are prepared to make a loss to produce more stock. And of course, 
with the rise of build to rent, we are seeing the supply itself be reframed into different directions. Eventually, what will happen is a price escalation. And so today, I just wanted to share this economic principle with you because you're probably focused today on what the cost of money is. Let me reassure you, you are focusing on the wrong part of the puzzle. If you focus on what is really unfolding behind the scenes, whereby the biggest driver of Australian real estate is supply versus demand. You are seeing a real imbalance of supply, hence why Australia today is facing a decade-long housing supply crunch. Will the next year see the bullwhip tail crack on supply? Hmm. But what about two years? What about three years when things start to really become a problem? I think in the next three years, you will start to see the tail of the bullwick really, really rear its head. The crack of the whip is coming. Hey, thanks for tuning into the show. I hope this economic lesson was powerful for you. Uh, make sure you share the show with friends and family and feel free to leave me a review. Uh, I'll give you a good shout out. Shout outs for reviews. Thanks again. Catch you soon. Thanks for tuning in to the Urban Property Investor. To never miss an episode, make sure you subscribe to the podcast on your favorite app or on YouTube. I would love it if you could give the show a rating and share it with your friends and family. In between episodes, you can always keep in touch with me by connecting on social media over Facebook, Instagram, or LinkedIn. Until we meet again on the next episode of the Urban Property Investor, take care and bye for now.